Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to the show this week. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hey. Hey there. So plugging in and just getting started ramping up with the new year and it's still weird to me that it's January. I'm still trying to put 2022 on everything and putting 2021. Mm-hmm. But such is life. We'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Next couple of weeks. So we've got a great show this week. Uh, Bradley Weston is going to be coming on and talking about some different things. The series WKRP in Cincinnati and why you probably can't find it, at least legally. It's a <laughs> form. Um, yeah, you know, ominous, but hey, it's a tease, and I encourage you to listen to it. We're also going to be talking about the new Spider-Man and the new Matrix movies. Get his opinion cool. on those and uh, see if he likes them or doesn't like them. So that's coming right up here. And then afterwards, we're going to be talking about feature bloat. We've been hearing a lot about chip shortage and all of that kind of thing, that they can't get vehicles out. And... There might be a little bit more of a reason to it than just not being able to get the chips. That's certainly part of the problem, but it's not all of it. So that's coming up here in a little bit. All right, what do we have in the news this week? Well, apparently we have a story about Metaverse for Cows. Okay, explain this. Okay, so this is a little weird. And on the press release that this came from, there's a picture of a cow wearing VR headsets on each eye. And apparently that's not a doctored photo, at least that's what they said. But what's Uh going on here is they're experimenting with the idea of if you have a cow in a feedlot, but you give it an image of a wide open field, does it produce more milk? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Yeah, we we had this discussion because you explained this thing to me. And um, I think it would be better if we put the cow in uh, the volume that's used by uh, Lucasfilm and Disney. Yeah, put the cow in there. Don't put weird headsets on the poor cow. We don't know what their retinas are like. Now, you know, another (laughs) idea here, and I know this is totally off the mark. What about having the cow in an open field where he's happy? Yeah, that might be the best thing. (laughs) I guess if we're going for milk where she's happy. But the point being, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So, yeah, the metaverse is becoming a thing kind of across the board here. I'm building my first house in it. I'll let you know how that goes when I do. I'm not spending real money, but a lot of people are, and uh, it's kind of an interesting, incredible thing. Technology is being upgraded for that, too. They're coming out with a 4K VR headset where you have 2K for each eye. So that actually would be kind of nice, but, uh, you know, so Metaverse is a thing, or at least it's becoming a thing. Canon telling customers how to defeat its DRM. Yes, on the topic of chip shortage. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is a thing. When you buy ink for your printer, and it's not just Canon. HP does this. A lot of other companies do. They want you to use their ink. So unless it has their chip in it, it won't work. And as much as this has been a thing, getting cartridges refilled and some of those type of things, there are ways to get around it where they either move the chip or something of that nature. But now they can't even come up with them at all. So they are telling people how to bypass this so that they can actually put ink in their printer. (laughs) Yeah, it seems a little weird, but I I don't think they actually needed the chips in the printer cartridges in the first place. Yeah, well, you know, again, Jeremy, this was something that uh, uh, was definitely you know, they were doing it to kind of force you to buy their own thing, but that is what it is. 
3D printed OLEDs could soon lead to DIY screens. I know you love acronyms. Uh, I just uh, hate (laughs) acronyms. Okay, you better explain what all this stuff is. All right, so OLED (laughs) is actually a thing. It's uh, LEDs, LEDs are the little bulbs that go in your monitor or your TV screen and create a situation. Organic, which is what the O stands for. Uh, means a couple of things, but the most important one is that they create their own light. Uh, so for the backlight. Okay. So that technical explanation being there, DIY is do it yourself. So basically what they're talking about here is that pretty soon you're going to be able to print your own monitor on a 3D printer. What? Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. I thought that was a cool article. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> crazy. So I mean, it's cool, but it's crazy. <laughs> I think it's interesting. The more that people can do on their own that we can do, is really kind of cool, you know? And this is something that uh, they're coming up with and something that is really going to, you know, it takes away you having to buy everything. And if you want to get right. in and do some stuff for yourself, it, w- it would be great. The other thing that I'm looking at this is because I do design hardware and uh, working a lot more in that in this year is I could print my own screens that would fit in a specific application. Right. So, like, uh, if you have your Mandalorian gauntlet, you could make your own screen, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, think of this. Can you imagine how excited your dad would have been? He he did uh, TV repair for oh, I a know. while. I know. <laughs> no, he would have loved this stuff, and he did when he was around. I mean, it was fun to be able to work with him on things, and, and just really cool. But I think this is something, we're seeing this across the board here, and I know we were at a convention once where they were talking about 3D printers and saying that they're basically kind of an early version of a replicator. Mm-hmm. And as you get to do more and more of these type of things with it, it is interesting to see where that is actually going. In a medical first, a man with a terminal heart disease gets a transplant of genetically modified pig heart. Interesting story here. This is something that the research has been going on for a while. There is some controversy with all of this. But the idea is that there's less rejection, it seems like, with pig organs. And the reason for that would be something that we need to go a lot deeper into biology than we can here. But the bottom line of it is, is this is actually a thing. And the gentleman that received it is still very much alive. And, you know, as a test subject or a prototype, as it were, for these type of things, if this technology becomes something that is usable and viable, it's something that would really maybe be able to deal with quality of life. Yeah. You know, we're seeing a lot of this in technology, robotics again, and the idea of implanted things that allow you to maybe bypass nerves that are bad or damaged in some way. Well, and this guy, this guy, if I recall, he was in such bad condition that he was being denied a a, a human transplant. Right, right. And that's- So he was willing to do- this uh, experimental thing because he didn't really have another choice. You know, they've been using the pig heart valves for many years in humans, but this is the first time with the full heart, the complete organ, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and given the choice of that or dying, uh, you know, I know he was coming from two things. He wanted to live, obviously, that's part of it. But the other part of it is, is being able to do the research and improve upon this because this could save many lives going on down the road. Exactly. Some European carriers are already blocking Apple's private relay feature on the iPhone. 
Apple has been really involved, uh, Google too, but Apple really taking this on to keep your information on your phone private. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think is actually important. It's like the government doesn't really need to know about everything that we're doing. And in certain situations, they're also writing software so that if someone does have something bad on their phone, like child pornography or something of that nature, it's able to identify that. So, and that information's released, and that's right in the agreement. But this is a thing for iCloud. It's a private relay that keeps your internet activity private, hides your IP address and browsing activity in Safari, and protects unencrypted internet traffic so that no one, including Apple, can see both what you are doing and what sites you're visiting. Well, it seems like the carriers in Europe don't like this. Vodafone, (laughs) T-Mobile over in Europe uh, have signed an open letter voicing their opposition to the rollout of the feature. And in fact, some carriers are already blocking support. There's screenshots out there from readers showing this. They're saying that it's blocking their ability to monitor metadata and important information to see how the network's working and all that kind of stuff. I I don't know. In my opinion, Mm. you can still monitor that information and provide what you need to, and you don't need to look at what website I'm looking at. So I I think, you know, kudos to Apple on this. Good job. Let's keep privacy as a concern. Not everybody needs to know what we're doing. Open source developer corrupts widely used libraries affecting tons of projects. So to give an explanation of this that's a little bit understandable, most software that's made uses libraries from other things, other developers and that kind of thing. And it allows us as programmers not to have to write everything from scratch. Now, he was getting upset about the fact that this stuff is open source. He wrote it, he put it out there, and nobody was paying him for it, which is part of the deal with open source. So what he did is he intentionally corrupted some of his software libraries. And as it went downstream and updated, because updates are usually done in real time on this stuff too, caused a lot of things not to work. I don't know if this was a good idea. It's making a point, and it's his point to make. But at the end of the day, it did cause a lot of problems. Well, we got a great show for you this week. We're going to be coming back here after the break with Bradley's interview and talking about movies and TV shows. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining me now is Bradley Weston, and we're going to be talking about older television series and movies and some of the really good stuff and how it compares to some of the modern stuff. Uh, A little spoiler alert here, that doesn't end well, but we'll see where we go with that. So, Bradley, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Bill. It's good to have you back. Everybody enjoyed talking about the Star Wars plane for a year up here in Oregon, which I still think is kind of funny to think about. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that go along with production of past television shows, movies, those type of things that people really don't know anything about. And one thing that you and I have talked Mm -hmm. about is the series that was on, I think, in the 80s, WKRP in Cincinnati. That is correct, from approximately 79 to 83. So, okay, so I I had it in the right uh, time frame there, and it was a series I liked. But I recently tried to watch it, and finding it was difficult in of itself, but it seemed like all the episodes had been really chopped down. Is this something you found to be the case? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Part of the reason the show was able to be created 
in the first place was due to the fact that uh, during the 70s, at that point, copyright law stated that if you licensed music for a television show, you got a rather massive discount if the show was videotaped as opposed to film. Okay. That being the case, the producers uh, went to town on that and loaded up on as much good and, at the time, modern contemporary pop and rock as they possibly could. Now, I remember that because there was a lot of just what, at the time, like you say, would have been current music and it's still music I like. But that isn't the case now. I know when I tried to watch it again, not only had it been cut down, but it seemed like what music was there, for the most part, was either cut out or different in some way. That's correct. Um, and sometime in the late 80s or early 90s, I cannot remember which, my apologies, copyright law changed and the discount for having a show shot on videotape was removed. Number one, making uh, it extremely expensive. And number two, many of the licensing groups or the groups or the artists themselves did not want their music disseminated uh, via a syndicated television show anymore, and they simply removed it. Uh, best example for WKRP being Pink Floyd. Uh, Pink Floyd's music was no longer available for them to relicense, regardless of how much they paid. Pink Floyd simply did not want their music on the show anymore. So it either had to be redone uh, with a no-name artist or simply cut out. Okay, so that's where some of the changes must have come from, is there actually covers now? That's exactly right. In some cases, they're covers, and in some cases, they are completely uh, removed, and something else entirely has been, uh, has been placed, uh, put in place instead. Uh, best example I could think of would be a scene with Les Nessman getting ready for a date. Originally, playing behind him was Foreigner's Hot-Blooded, right. which fit the scene perfectly, but had to be completely swapped out for an entirely different song. In uh, subsequent reissues in terms of syndication or on DVD, uh, lessening the impact of the scene, shall we say. Well, yeah, it would completely change the original craft, really. I mean, to do that, uh, I guess if it's the only way to get it out there. Now, I know that these still exist, uh, so I guess the question that I would ask here is a legal way to try and get the original series, and it was released on videotape at one time, if you can find them. It was, but even then, some of the uh, cutting had begun, uh, but not for the reasons that we just spoken of. It was cut for commercials. Okay. And uh, uh, so those original first videotapes in some cases had small trims here and there from when they were used as syndication copies as opposed to going to the original masters. Okay. And... Uh, Yes, so over the years, uh, it's been lost. Now, so I guess if you have a friend that still has these that they recorded off the television, that's the best way to get to them. To actually uh, pretty the much. <laughs> there are people out there uh, who have taken the time to scour every possible source 
from syndication masters to off-the-air recordings, any way you can think of to reconstruct the shows. The quality and sound and picture is variable, of course, but that's about the best way you'll be able to do so, to get as close to uh, the original show and intent as possible. Now, let's look at a little different topic here. You and I both like old movies. I think that there's a lot of... I don't know. They were just better in a lot of cases. Not to say that there aren't good new movies, but I don't know. The the old stuff has a just a classic bit to it. Uh, some of the new stuff that's coming out now seems like it's just run off. What did you think of the new Matrix movie? I found it extraordinarily disappointing. Okay. It's... Um its impact in 1999 was absolutely amazing. I remember after walking out of it thinking that if the soon-to-come Star Wars movie uh, didn't have anything to match the first five minutes of that Matrix film, that I would be sorely disappointed. And I'm afraid to say that I most certainly was in those terms. Also, it's uh, story and script construction were absolutely astonishing. Uh, even to this day, there it's an amazing piece of work. And the most recent film, I'm sorry to say, disappoints on pretty much every level, from visual to technical uh, to storyline and plotting. And let's be honest. Uh, I don't know if you would call it phoning it in, but the actors just did not seem like they were enjoying going through the motions on this one. Yeah, and that's a bit, you know, I know just from my own experience dealing with that kind of stuff, if you're not into it, it really does come off on the screen that uh, just either you were having a bad day or not in the role or something like that. It does seem like a lot of the additional installments of these movies in a lot of ways is just kind of to get something else out there and not really looking at the original art of the story or dealing with it in the right way. That is correct. And uh, something else of note is the fact that only one of the two Wachowskis was involved in this. Yeah. yeah um, and you're, and you're, you're, you're definitely dealing with that. All right. We're going to have to go to a commercial ourselves here in just a second, but we'll come back after the break and continue talking about this a little bit more. Bradley Weston, this is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. On with me is Bradley Weston, and we're talking about movies and television shows, and we're talking about The Matrix, and you were mentioning the fact that only one of the original key actors was there. Uh, yes, only one of the original directors was there. Directors. and yes. in, That's, hey, no <laughs> problem. And uh, it's the fact that in some cases, the back and forth, the give and take, the dynamic... Uh, how would you say, circumstance of having the other person with whom you've got a great working uh, creative uh, relationship with really means something. And 
nothing felt right in this film. I'm sorry to say I, I, it felt like half an effort, uh, to be honest with you, the, um, intelligence, the, uh, wittiness, uh, the astonishment of the original, and in some cases, part of the sequels was utterly missing from this one. It seemed to be simply going through the motions. Wow. It was very, very disappointing. So I think if you're going to see that one and you haven't, wait for it to come out on video or streaming if you even want to do that. All right, another installment in the franchise, which I'm led to understand is a little bit better, is Spider-Man No Way Home. And I know you've seen that. What did you think of that one? Uh, it was a massive recovery for uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though this was essentially a Sony film, uh, Marvel and uh, Disney having 25% of the input into it. Right. But uh, this was a true love letter to fans, a la Ghostbusters Afterlife. Again, another true love letter to fans. And in many, many ways, it most assuredly did not disappoint. They followed through on the script and were able to add the elements of the various characters from the previous sets of Spider-Man films seamlessly into this one and the world in which it exists. And then they topped it off with the previous two Spider-Men themselves, who not only uh, were very much into this, you could tell that Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire had a ball doing this, but they were rather invested in it and it shows in the performances. It's, it's a home run all the way. I can't recommend it highly enough. So it's still out there and still in theaters and uh, definitely sounds like it's worth catching that way. I imagine if it's not already, it will be on the Disney plus system uh, at some point here. So if you want to catch it at home, that'll be a way to do it. If not already, eventually. All right, so, the, you know, those are some good things that have come out of the holidays uh, to know. So The Matrix I haven't seen, and it doesn't sound like I'm going to anytime soon. <laughs> but Spider-Man, I do think I'll try <laughs> and to that is And that is actually a supreme disappointment for being able to get virtually the whole cast back from the original. Uh, minus Lawrence Fishburne, it was a sound disappointment, I'm sorry to say. Right, right, so... All right, well, let's see. Going forward, I know that we've got some interesting things coming out this year. It sounds like a lot of movies are going back to the theater, which is kind of nice. I enjoy seeing things that way, and I know that we had to do it for a little while on the streaming, but just all the way around, nothing replaces even the best home theater system, the in-theater experience. And one of the other things that I've been seeing out there the last two years that seems to have really come back to life is the idea of a drive-in theater. And we have one locally. They do still exist around. They aren't as plentiful. Have you, or do you want to go see things in a drive-in? And what do you think of that format? I would love to do so. Uh, the sense of community is actually even closer in some ways via a drive-in. Uh, the whole family's there with the kids. Uh, you turn around the back of your blazer, station wagon, or SUV, flip it open, put a mattress in there, and watch a movie under the stars with all sorts of other people around you. It's an amazing experience, and I can't recommend it enough. It's truly a joy. No, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have moved to a uh, neighborhood that... Uh, 
has a drive-in, and I will be looking forward to patronizing it quite frequently this year. Yeah, I think I think so too. I've been lucky enough to have that, and have gotten there a few times. The um, just up the street, you know, and it makes it makes for a really unique way and kind of a kickback, but on the same token, and you can see current movies. It's not like they only show uh, old stuff. So either way, it's good to go. Well, Bradley, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back in the future a little bit to talk about some more movies. It is entirely my pleasure, and I look forward to visiting in the future. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, you know, we talked about and saw all the stuff at CES last week, and we have heard in the news, and we continue to, that we're having a chip shortage. And it's been alluded to that maybe it's the zillions of features that we demand in our cars that's causing them to use a lot more chips, and that's at least what's causing some of the problems with chips in cars. What do you think about that? Well, it's definitely causing a problem with chips in cars, but for some reason, everything we do has a chip in it. And that's going to start getting real old real fast. Well, and there's also like this disposable thing going on too. So if you use, oh, your tech is old, quick, throw it away. Well, what happens to the chips that were in there? Yeah, a lot of times, unfortunately, they go into a landfill and start leaching chemicals. There, you know, in answer to that, and it's a good question, there are companies out there that recycle all of this stuff. And if you're getting rid of like just absolutely getting rid of tech, it's burned out, something like that. Take the time to go online and search it out because there's a lot of places they'll take them for free and then they'll extract the materials so that they can be reused. You know, Uh, another way to recycle tech is make sure you delete all of your personal information and either resell it on a site like eBay or donate it to somebody that can deal with it. There's a, a lot of direction for that as well. But, uh, But yeah, that's definitely, you know, the speed at which we get through things. And then kind of circling back to cars here, some of the new features that are coming out. Now, on our current 2020, 2021 model, you have, you know, pretty standard stuff. There's the roadside assistance and all those kind of things, uh, driving between the lines. Um, Some people are lucky enough to have navigation. I'm not one of them. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, a lot of these features kind of make sense. The heated seats are nice. Uh, I don't completely understand why that necessarily needs a chip, though. I had a 1980 BMW, which had no chips and had heated seats, you know. But, oh, mm-hmm. but, so they're adding chips in there for for what? Uh, so the computer can control all of these features, I would assume. Um, yeah, it was, you know, humans, we have our own little computer and it makes our hand go and touch the on and off button. Yes, yes. And it's just, you know. <laughs> But the thing of it is, is is where this is going. I mean, some of this stuff sounds cool, but in a time that we can't get the basics, you know, I don't know, just my opinion of doing this. Let's talk about some of the more unusual features. BMW at CES displayed a technology in which you can change the exterior color of your car from a switch within the car. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many chips does that take per, per body panel? Yeah, exactly. You know, and. I mean, that's, that's how it get I mean, over. I mean, it sounds gorgeous. It okay. sounds fun. It sounds amazing. I can see 
the cops going, oh, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And if you get in an accident, I mean, what are you actually breaking? <laughs> you know, but, um, oh. but, but there's that. All right. Another one that they showed off. It's a system by Panasonic, a 3D sound system, thousand watts and 25 speakers. Nope. <laughs> now, 3D sound <laughs> is something that you have in home theater. It's kind of cool. Atmos is a system that I really like. We've talked about it in the past where you can place sound within the room over a 3D mm -hmm. model. So if it should be overhead or far away or close, all that's kind of cool. If you're watching a movie in your home theater, I highly recommend it. But do we need that in the car? No. Probably No, not. you don't need that in a car because you have a front and a back. You have a left and a right. <laughs> and that's as much as you really need yep. Yep. in a vehicle with road noise. All right. How about a 31-inch theater screen with built-in Amazon Fire TV? In okay. the car? No. Are you, are you a limo service? You know? Well, is, that, like, is, come it, on. is this a widescreen for the back of my van? Yeah. If, you know, and okay, I, mean, I could see it a little more <laughs> on specialty things like a limo. Okay, you're, if you have a yeah. limo, you might do that. But the thing of it is, is this isn't just a passenger car or SUV crossover type vehicle like we have now. And, uh, oh. you know, so I, just, <laughs> I, I just have to ask the question of why does the back seat need a 31 inch TV? I guess it's so that uh, people don't have to pay attention to their kids. Yeah, that's where, uh, I, where yeah, I think well. that would be too. Which but. is, I, I think we need a little more communication between each other, you know, less, you know, screen time. <laughs> now, here's another thing for you to think about too. In addition to the hardware, this is creating massive, massive software. So to give you an idea, when the Chevy Volt came out, it had about 10 million lines of code, okay? That's 2020 mm -hmm. or 2011 model year. Right now, your basic vehicle has 100 million lines of code. Nope, that's too much. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's obviously too many, too many things going on. Uh, you know, and they call it, it, it's like what you would have seen in a jet fighter 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And uh, they're saying there's no such thing as bug-free software, too. So this creates a problem. Yeah. Plus they can do over Nor the ha hackable. Hackable and over-the-year updates. So you could receive an update while you're driving and it changes something in the car that you don't know Ooh. about, you know. I, I, well, I don't didn't know. You, didn't you have a car die on the free, in the middle of the freeway on you? Yes. Yep. That was... Uh, and it was some kind of a malfunction with the computer system? Yeah. It wasn't uh, an over-the-year update, but it was a malfunction with the computer system. And it was augmenting the brakes later had a problem with it as well. But it just, uh, the computer stopped. And as a result, the car stopped because it couldn't synchronize the fuel flow or anything else. And since everything is computerized down to your fuel injectors and the way the engine runs and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, you look at this and it's kind of across the board on other things. Nissan, as a for example, has this type of transmission that instead of having gears, it's basically two belts or chains that pull against each other. So the computer dynamically controls that as you drive, and it feels a little weird because you don't shift. It works better in a sense that it is more efficient, but if something like that malfunctioned with the computer, you wouldn't be able to do anything, you know? I thought, oh, so Nissan is now doing that too? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, that type of transmission. My car has it. Oh. I mean, it runs just fine. I haven't had a problem. But the more you have stuff like that, the more it would be, you know, possible to break down. Now, I'm someone that loves yeah. tech, and I always am. But even to me, some of this seems to be a little over the top. And what's driving it is competition and marketing. The more features we can have, 
the more likely you're going to buy our car over something else. Plus, car manufacturers want to put this out where you buy things after you buy the car to have an income revenue stream like you would on your phone. So you can buy apps and upgrade things, and all of that would, of course, cost money. So anyway, feature bloat, definitely something that uh, we want to think about and could be contributing, Mm. probably is, to the chip shortage. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, I love talking to Bradley about the movies. Uh, He's just like Mm -hmm. so knowledgeable on all of this stuff. And I'm hearing that he's actually probably going to be put on a board of a movie theater. So we're going to hope that that happens for him. I know he's excited about it. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. Positive energy, Bradley, on that when you hear this. We're all behind you 100%. And if anybody's earned that, you have. You know, we talk in our closing segment about stuff that's coming up, and it looks like Fan Expo, unfortunately, is being canceled this year in Portland. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's yeah. the Omicron disruption, and just they decided not to do it. I'm uh, kind of surprised that they actually did CES, but it looks like at least so far everything's okay on that front. I think we got kind of lucky getting to Emerald City, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. So... All right, so show television show this week that I know you guys have been watching is The Witcher season two, yep. and um, I've enjoyed that. I like the game on the PlayStation, and I like season one. What do you think? Well, actually, we um, because The Witcher is kind of a complicated story. <laughs> we decided to watch season one first again. Okay, and um, actually, I've really enjoyed seeing it again, and it made more sense the second time. It did because it, it is very complicated if you. If you haven't watched it at all, you have to understand that it is not chronological. No, it's taking place in, in several different time periods in each episode. Yeah, and it's not obvious. No. So, but once you know that, and that's not a spoiler, it's not going to ruin the story. Um, it just kind of helps you understand the, how the story's being told to you. So we were looking forward to season two, which we're probably going to be watching later this week. Uh, it's just, you know, we're getting through the, all the episodes, trying to catch up on what we remembered and what we didn't remember. Yeah. And, you know, oh, did that happen? Yeah, that happened. Okay, cool. Let's find out what that leads to, because everything seems to tie into itself and build on all the stuff. So right. if you like kind of like a fantasy, it's almost like a D&D kind of style it story. Is. Yeah. So you got to watch that. So. No, I think it's I think it's really good. Now, this is a show for the adults. There are certainly some yeah, things yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't want the kids. There's lots of there's lots of nudity. Yeah. So. <laughs> and swearing. Yep, and swearing. And so it definitely <laughs> you know, from that standpoint, maybe make it your later in the evening uh thing to watch. But uh no, it it's it's a series. I, I haven't seen season two yet myself, but I'm looking forward to it. And uh we'll have to talk about it a little more. And we talked last week about Book of Boba Fett. The next episode's come out. I haven't seen it yet. Did you guys like it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's worthwhile. You know, the first uh-huh. one was definitely one to start with where it's kind the of... The second one is better. The yeah. second one is better. Cool. So uh, yeah. let us know what you think about it, because in all reality, you know, feedback, what do you like on streaming? What do you like on all of these different things? Are you going to the movies? And if so, what do you recommend? Send them in to us, One User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserFriendlyNation.com is our website. Any of those ways are a good way to get in contact with us. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0. 
keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.